So I want to start this morning uh, with sharing something that's a little embarrassing. Uh, a few years ago, we built a conference room there in our church offices, and we started having staff meetings down there in the conference room. And in the conference room where I'm sitting, I'm sitting across from a huge black glass dry erase board. It's enormous. It's right there on the wall that I'm, that I'm facing. And between me and there is Gary Marburger. So I'm sitting, Gary's facing me, and behind Gary is this big, ginormous, black dry erase board. And that black dry erase board, when nothing's on it, is crystal clear. In fact, it's so clear, it reflects back. It acts a lot like a mirror would act. And we sit in the same place every, every Monday morning. Every staff member sits in the same place. It's just we're creatures of habit. That's what we do. And the first few weeks we were sitting there, as I would talk and as I would share a point of view in the midst of our staff meeting, I would notice that I was looking at myself talking, right? I don't know if any of you have ever done this, but I'm sitting there sharing a viewpoint or a thought or just sharing a report on something. And as I was talking, rather than looking at the people in the room that I'm there with, I would catch my face and my eyes going to that black dry erase board, watching myself talk. Now, how vain is that, right? And in the midst of that, like in the first couple of weeks, all of a sudden, at one point, I saw Gary go... And he didn't say anything. Thankfully, he didn't embarrass me. But I still remember that. I don't know if that's just me. It might, might just be me. It might be you too. But why is it that when we cross a mirror or we see our reflection, we can't help but it catch our eye? It's something about mirrors that cause us to look and see what's there. We're actually in a series called Smoke and Mirrors, and I've been thinking a lot about this title over the last few uh, weeks together, because when we think about smoke and mirrors, it's a common phrase we use for deception, right? Like, it's a common phrase we use for deception, and as we think about the last few weeks together, that's really what we've done. We've identified different deceptions in our world. We've talked about ritualism, intellectualism, mysticism. Last week, we discussed legalism. And even though we've talked about these and we've discussed them, for the next three weeks, I want to shift our focus to not just these lies that we saw in Colossians chapter 2, but I want us to look at this. Look at your introduction. What are the current lies in the world what are the current lies the world is feeding you when you look in the mirror? Are you seeing truth or just the smoke of deception? This is uh, a mirror that's been in our family for as long as I can remember. Uh, I've been looking in this mirror for 30 years almost every day. And I know that sounds vain, but you know, you got to make sure nothing's hanging out your nose or anything like that. But this is, this is our family mirror. It sits in our house, and, and I look in it every single day. And what I want to talk about this morning is when we look into the mirror, we see what is actual physical reality. Like the mirror is not hiding anything. I'm looking in the mirror, and it's showing me what's truly there. I had a zit like two weeks ago, and I'm like, how does a 40-year-old get a zit? 
But that's what happens. We look into the mirror and we see what is true, what is reality. And it's the same for our souls. That there is a mirror of the soul that when we look into it shows us what's truly there. And I've been thinking about this illustration for the last week now. But for a lot of us, we look into that mirror and we see reality. We see what's truly there. But the world has other plans for us. The world has another agenda for us that's different than what we're seeing. You see, the world, when we look into the mirror of our reality, the world tries to add to it a bunch of smoke. It tries to create a deception around our worldview. It tries to create a deception around what our identity, who we truly are. And as believers, this has become a big problem. Because instead of relying on God's worth, the truth of what's actually in the mirror... We allow our culture and we allow this world to smoke up our view, to deceive us into not seeing what's truly our identity in Christ. And for a lot of us, that's what this whole series is going to be about. It's going to be about this idea that we have to stop the smoke and the deception of the world so that we can clearly see what our identity is. What are the current lies the world is feeding you when you look in the mirror? Are you seeing truth or just the smoke of deception? I've got a couple of disclaimers for this whole series. And the first, the first disclaimer is this. We're going to look at lies that the world is throwing us. And here's the thing. The list is not exhaustive, right? Like we could spend a year looking at all the lies the enemy and our world throws at our identity and who we are, who are meant to be. I get that. So I, I'm not saying this is exhaustive. It's not going to be every week. Well, you should have mentioned this when you should have mentioned that. I know. I understand there's lots there. It's not exhaustive, but these lies are very current, in fact, you can go to any news station right now. You can go on any website. You can see this on every social media post. You will find these current lies in our world that are constantly assaulting who God has called us to be. The second thing, the second disclaimer about this series is this is a difficult series to teach and it's a difficult series to listen to. And the reason for that is because there are three groups of people in this room right now. Guaranteed, there's three of you in this room. There's one group that you've not bought into the particular lie or lies that I'm mentioning. And you're sitting in this room and you're not, you've not bought into those. That's awesome. There's a whole another group of people in this room that at one point in your life, you bought into those lies that the world, that we're going to cover over these next three weeks. You bought into those lies. And when we mention that, and when we talk about that, it creates a source of pain for us. It's this, this source of shame, and this short, source of just regret for the lies that we bought into in our past. And that's painful. It's painful to hear, painful to talk about. But then there's a third group of people that... If you, you might not even realize it, but when you're looking into this mirror, you don't realize it, but you're currently buying into the lies of our culture. And this series might be tough for you because you're, you're listening to these lies and you're thinking, I, 
I'm actually living that out. And it's painful. And here's the truth about God's word. And this is the truth about this whole thing. Jesus has come. And Jesus has come, for those of you that have not bought into the lies, Jesus has come to continue to give you wisdom so that you don't buy into those lies. For those of you that bought into those lies in the past, you have shame, you have regret in your past about these things, Jesus has come to bring life, to bring restoration, to bring restoration from what you experienced in your past. And for those of you that are currently walking in lies, Jesus has has come to bring love and kindness that will lead you to repentance away from these lies that the world is telling us. And so I just want to just put that out there for us as we think about this morning. Thank God that with every lie, with every bit of smoke in our culture, God's word gives us truth about who we are. That every deception and the every truth that we find about our identity can be summed up into three words. And here they are. Origin, existence, and legacy. Origin, existence, and legacy. And today I want to talk about origin. I want to talk about there's no better place to start when we think about origin than Genesis chapter 1. So if you, would, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1. It's the very first book of the Bible, probably the first real page of verses in your Bible. We're going to look at that in just a minute. Our origins are crucial to understanding a lot about who we are, our identity. And so what do I know about my origin? What do I know about my beginning? The first truth I want you to see, and we're going to do something that's kind of a little elementary, and I I just want to encourage you to be a part of this. We're going to proclaim these truths together, that if you believe this to be true, we're going to allow you to proclaim this together. So I'm going to say this first, and then you're going to repeat after me. So the, the first truth is this, I am created in the image of God. That is our first truth. Let's say it together if we believe it. I am created in the image of God. Genesis 1, leading up to verse 26, God lays out his creation, right? He's creating everything. He's creating land, ocean, stars, light. He's creating moon. He's creating the animals. And then he gets to Genesis 1, 26, and he's going to create something that's set apart from every other thing that he's created. Genesis 1, 26 says this, Then God said, Let us, who's us? It's the Trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the, he- of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. So here's what this is saying. You share with God relational attributes. Now, what does that mean? It means this. It means you're not omnipotent. You're not all-powerful. You don't have that in common with God. You're not all-knowing. You don't have that in common with God. But there's a lot you do have in common with God. One, you, you're, you have life. You have personality. You have truth. 
You have wisdom, you have love, you have holiness and justice. These are things that God has given you in his image. And why has he done it? So that he can have relationship with you. It's all for him to have a relationship with you because he seeks that from you. So we're created in the image of God, but where's the smoke? What's the deception that our culture is telling us? The deception is this. Not that you're created in the image of God, but no, I accidentally evolved from mindless matter. I accidentally evolved from mindless matter, just a mass of accumulated particles that over millions of years has accidentally become what you see before you right now. That my last and latest ancestor was this guy. And I'm sorry, if your baby looks like this, I'm very sorry. No. <laughs> the truth is, though, this is what that deception teaches. That this is our reality. And people that prescribe to this typically believe there is no God or there's not a God that really cares about us. Now think about the ramifications of believing this, that I come from an animal. If all we are is cells and there is no God, that means there's no afterlife. And if there's no afterlife, why even value life? What's the point of life? There's no point in it. And this, guys, is the justification. Taking this theory all the way down, it's the justification for murder, for genocide, for rape, for suicide, for theft, for slavery, and any other form of abuse you can think of, it's the justification for that. Because why does it matter what I do to this person? What does it matter if I kill this person? What does it matter if I'm hurting this person? If all there is is this life and my gratification in the 80 years that I live here, then why not just do whatever I want to do and to heck with whoever else? This is the lie that people have bought into. But here's what's true. What you believe about God shapes what you believe about yourself. What you believe about God shapes how you're going to look at yourself in the mirror. That your mindset and your worldview flows from what you believe about your origin. The truth is, You were no accident. You were planned and created by God in his very image. There was a 14th century scholar, Thomas Akempis, and he he said this, To say that I am made in the image of God is to say that love is the reason for my existence. For God is love. That when I look in the mirror, When I look in the mirror, I may be unplanned by my parents, and you might be unplanned by your parents, but you are not unplanned by God. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has created you in his image so that he can have a relationship with you. So I am created in God's image. The second truth is I'm created male or female. And we're going to get this right out of Scripture. And if you believe this, I want us to say this statement again together. Let's say it together. Ready? 
I am created male or female. This is right here in Genesis 1.27. Jesus says, or God says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. That when we look in the mirror, and this is kind of, kind of obvious, but when we look in the mirror, we should clearly see gender, male or female. The deception that we find ourselves in. And again, it's a current deception. You see this all over the news right now. The deception is not I'm created male or female. The deception is I can be whatever I want to be. I can be whatever I want to be. Transgenderism, it's the changing of one's gender, has become a pervasive idea. In fact, I went to look, and a lot of you guys know this, but when we prepare messages, we look at commentaries on, on how different pastors and scholars have taken a portion of Scripture and how they've really dissected that and, and studied that. And I literally went to three different commentaries to look up Genesis 1.27. And they would talk about the made in his image part, but this is so interesting. Now, most of these commentators were written and wrote many years ago. But they got to the male and female part, and there's hardly any commentary on it. You know why? Because no commentator 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, ever thought that that would need commentating on. That it's just a, a truth that he created a male and he created them female. But children as young as three are told it's normal to change their gender. Now we all know that there are very, very rare situations of heartbreaking biological anomalies where the anatomical sexual organs are ambiguous or compromised. In those cases, we do. We face very unusual circumstances and very challenging things for families and parents to deal with that. But let me just say this. That occasion is very, very, very rare. We are talking here about clearly identifiable sexual organs at birth that should define the trajectory of the gender. And this movement has not only attempted to change the identity of humans, but even God himself, they've attempted to change God himself's identity and the way in which he is worshipped. We want to affirm everyone to be who they truly are, to step into the Holy One's fire that burns away all that says we are not good enough and refines us by the Pentecostal fire to be who exactly the great queer one calls us to be. Would you please stand, step into this worship space, and pray with me the words found in your bulletin and on the screen. Strange one, fabulous one, fluid and ever becoming one, do not allow us to make our ideas of you into an idol. You are as close to us as our own breath, and yet your essence transcends all that we can imagine. You are mother, father, and parent. You are sister, brother, and sibling. 
You are drag queen and trans man and gender fluid, incapable of limiting your vast expressions of beauty. Embodied in us, your creation, we recognize our flesh in all its forms is made holy in you. You see, to believe that we can change what's here, we have to change the God. And here's what we're doing, guys. We are no longer allowing us to sink in the idea that the truth is that we are made in God's image. We are now deciding to make God in our image. That when someone states that he or she was born in the wrong body, this is not just a matter of confusion. It represents the ultimate rebellion against God's design. It's the attempt to become one's own God. To be different than the way God made you by employing modern medical science to change gender both chemically and surgically. But listen guys, God carefully crafts your gender. He does that. And it doesn't mean if you're a man that you have to love football. It doesn't mean that. Maybe for some of you men today, you're like, I could not care less about what's happening today, this, this evening. That's okay. It doesn't mean that a girl has to love dolls. It doesn't mean that. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about gender. But it does mean that God has designed and crafted and created who you are. That you're created in the image of God and that you're created a male or a female. And Jesus himself reaffirms this. This is not just something we find in Genesis. This is something we find in Jesus' own words. Matthew 19, 4 says, Jesus answered. He he's asking a rhetorical question here. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? I, 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 it's interesting to me when I think about God's rhetorical question, Jesus' rhetorical question here, it's almost as if he's saying that to us right now the exact same way. Like every time I see an, an article on the news or, or something on social media, this pops into my head. It's almost like Jesus is saying to the culture, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? God not only awards you life, but also assigns your gender. There was a long-term study conducted in Sweden uh, by the Karolinska Institute, the Gothenburg University. These are secular institutions. They're not Christian organizations. They did a 30-year study, uh, and they analyzed 324 uh, folks that were going through gender reassignment. Out of those 324, 130 of them after their reassignment, tried to commit suicide. And they wrote this, Initially, most subjects reported feeling relief and experienced improved social functioning. Beginning at 10 years out, however, rates of anxiety and depression began to rise significantly. By 30 years following surgery, the completed suicide rate, meaning they actually went through with it and committed suicide, the completed suicide rate was nearly 20 times that of the general population. Gender reassignment 
is not going to feel the deep longing of what's missing in the mirror of the soul. Only Jesus can do that. And guys, as we, as we think about that, I just want to encourage you. A lot of you are, are right there with me. But what is our responsibility to folks that are, that are looking in this mirror and seeing deception, seeing smoke, seeing that cloud sitting there? It's not to look at them and say they're freaks. That's not the right response. The right response is to help them clear the smoke away and let them see in the mirror who God says they are called to be. And we have to do that with love. The third truth. I'm created at conception in the womb. I'm created at conception in the womb. Let's say that together if you believe that. I am created at conception in the womb. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 139. This is the last place I'll have you turn. When we look in the mirror, it's clear that we were not an accident. We were created in the image of God. We were created male or female. And according to God's word, we're created in the womb at conception. And that is what we should see when we're looking into the mirror of our soul. But the deception that is now current in our world, and some of you see the blank, you can probably fill it in without even me saying it. But the deception is this, my body, my choice. My body, my choice. The current popular view is that abortion, the taking of an unborn life, should be a protected right. That I can do what I want with my body, and no one can tell me otherwise, including, if I choose, to end life. That life isn't precious unless you're talking about a spotted owl in Canada or a sea turtle nest at Charleston. And of all the issues in the world right now, abortion poses the most clear and present physical danger to the most people on a daily basis basis. Now in our discussion this morning, we're, we're not talking about the procedure of abortion after a miscarriage. We're not talking about that. And we're not talking currently this morning about abortion when a mother's life is at risk. That's not what we're talking about. If you leave those two categories out, not counting those cases, across the world, there are 42 million abortions that occur every year. This is a modern holocaust as multitudes of babies are dismembered and destroyed daily. That's 115,000 babies across the world every single day. But life in the womb is sacred to God. Psalm 139 says this in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together, where? In my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. You see, abortion is not only an insult to God's authority as a creator. It's an assault 
on his actual creative work that's going on right there in the womb. Life in the womb must also be protected. Some say it's not the role of government to take away people's right to choose, but this is absolutely the role of government, to take away rights that hurt others. Like, I don't have the right to speed. The government has taken that right away from me. I don't have the right to break into your home later today. The government has taken away that right. So why would we not allow the government to take away the right to end life? Others attempt to get around this argument by debating when does life actually begin. The Harvard Medical School published the criteria for establishing death. And these are the the criteria that they have to establish when a a person is physically dead. And here, here, here they are. The first one, no response to external stimuli or pain. No spontaneous movements. No deep reflexes. No brain activity. That if these criteria are in place, that a person will be declared legally dead. So let's take those and using the same scientific observations in reverse, even one of these criteria would suffice for a baby being alive in the womb. And yet in less than eight weeks, all these criteria are met for a baby in the womb. Even our own country's laws seem contradictory. That if a drunk driver hits and kills a pregnant woman, he's charged with two counts of murder or two counts of manslaughter. Exodus 21, the same law, the exact same law is right there in Scripture. You see, the debate is not if this baby is a person or not. The debate is, is this baby a wanted person? The deception is my body, my choice. But the baby's body is not your body. And if you're a believer in Christ, your body is not your body. Our bodies belong to God. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about this. Our bodies belong to God. 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God In your body. Guys, this is such a big deal. I I was blown away by this statistic. But in in our country, one in three women will have an abortion or has had an abortion. And so some of you might be like, why are we talking about this today? This is such a painful thing to talk about. And I get it. I understand. It's a, it's a deep thing to discuss and to talk about today. But it's something that we need to talk about as a church. That we're no longer looking in the mirror with all this smoke and cloud of culture and allowing that culture and that cloud of smoke and deception to define who we are. This thing right here. God's word defines who we are. That we're created in the image of God. In the mirror. I'm going to have you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute.
there's a lot here this morning, guys. There's a lot to think about, a lot to pray about. and I know we're running a little over, and that's okay. But how do you end a moment like this? How do you end a time with information like this from God's Word? I think it goes back to what I said earlier. We want to reflect on this moment. And for some of us, this is, these lies are not things that we've bought into. And praise God for that. Praise God for that. And I'm praying that God will use this message to just give, give you wisdom, to just stay away from these lies. For others of you, maybe you're like Teresa this morning. You've bought into the lie somewhere in your life. And now you're living with those consequences and there's, there's some shame maybe there. There's some regret maybe there. And hopefully you've left this morning knowing or you'll leave this morning knowing that God is the God who restores. He is the healer. He is the one that can make all things new. Or maybe you're in the room this morning and you're currently buying into these lies. You're currently on the fence of what these lies are. You're wondering if God's word can be trusted. Maybe you're living this out right now. Or maybe you know someone who's living this out. May we reflect on God's word this morning, knowing that it is true and that it will stand through all of our cultures ahead of us. So Father, in this, in this moment of just quiet, in this moment of prayer, God, we just want to look in the mirror and see what you say about us, Lord. We don't care what the world says about us. We don't care what the world's trying to make us into. We don't care about all of the smoke that it's trying to bring into the, the mirror of our soul. God, we just want to declare what is true and what you have said about us, that I am made, created in your image, that I am created male or female, and that I am created at conception, in the womb. Lord, help us to leave that, this place today declaring those truths. And Father, if there's someone here today, Lord, that's caught in the between this lie, Lord, Father, that they would just get restoration today, that they would repent today, Father, and that they would walk in your truth. God, we love you, and we thank you for our time today. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you so much for being here. There are pastors around if you need to talk to anyone. You're dismissed.